TSR. We're looking for a few good mutants. And we need you now more than ever to join the Mutant Mutiny, because the battle that's been raging in your favorite Marvel comic books is now the rage in role-playing games. In the four new modules, the Marvel Superheroes MX series from TSR, you're the mutant with superpowers ordinary men have only dreamed of, and you're going to need them. America's gone mad some 50 years into the future, and the powerful Sentinel robots are rounding up every mutant their ancestors can find. The destination, extermination camps. If you're not currently role-playing in the Marvel system, get in on the action. With TSR's Marvel Superheroes Advanced Box Set, the next step in the evolution of heroic role-playing games, the perfect way to join the revolution against the Sentinels. Only you and your mutant army can prevent the fall of the mutants. If you've got the metal to make it, enlist right away at most toy and hobby stores. Marvel Superheroes is a trademark of Marvel Entertainment Group Incorporated. Used with permission. Copyright 1987. Marvel Entertainment Group. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick Present, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. That's a callback to our intro. That's great. Thank you. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And I am Banta. Random Banta. Donna, Donna, Donna. So you have no clue what it is, do you? I was going Ian Fleming. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rusty Agents. Never say never again. Pop quiz, hot shot. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know off the top of your head? No. Mm, Are you sure? Possibly. Okay. (laughs) If it's anything like that section of things that we do for people, no. (laughs) But what might I know at the top of my head? Well... You might know some randomness of banterness that's going on in your world. Wait, I do. I do. I know this one. (laughs) I know that for me, you know, just got done with the holidays. We are sitting here on New Year's Day. We did a recording. Before that, we had dinner. So we've had a couple of beers, one with dinner, one with the prior recording. Each one stronger than the last. Yeah. Uh, But... I I know that I've just gone through a week away in Medford with uh, family. You know, it's just been crazy time, but I picked up a few things that are kind of cool. While I went down to Medford, I was listening to keeping up with the Crusade Miss, the Longbox Crusade. They were doing their annual Crusade Miss. And one of the things that they mentioned in one of the episodes was 007, ha ha ha, bringing it back, uh, the 007 comic book Hammerhead, which I was at a comic book store down in Medford. And I was like, Pfft. There it is. I'm picking it up. I'm reading it. It was excellent. Hmm. Really enjoyed that. So I've seen it, but I have not read it. Yeah, it is worth it. It is definitely worth it. I'd lend you my copy, but I don't trust you. That's, uh, yeah, that's legit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fault you. For Rick's New Year's resolution for, is uh, j- just stop trusting Jeff. Just stop it. Just don't. I don't. Just, you've, you've learned your lesson. Fool me 82 times. Mm-hmm. Shame on you. <laughs> No, I was also reading uh, Chip Zdarsky's Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man run off of Marvel Unlimited. I've been just trying to 
keep up with all the comic books that I've been buying and collecting. I know I got the uh, Cyclops and Phoenix graphic novel for Christmas. I also got a bunch of other uh, movies for Christmas as well. So, I don't know. It, it's just enjoying the media input as yeah. much as I possibly can and trying to wade through as much of it as possible, too. A little bit jealous of that. My media input is very slim as uh, as these days go with having a youngster. So well, you who know, won't you, go you, to bed? So I have to stay up with her. And Hillary goes to bed, and then there's no kind of like adult downtime TV shows or anything. So you have your adult downtime. You need to maximize it. Yeah. When you go to the restroom, make sure you bring in a good grip of comic books with you. Uh, that is where the majority of the Marvel Unlimited gets read, to yep. be uh, quite honest. It is a, uh, <laughs> that's a bathroom reading time. It's kind of like, what's new this week? Punisher, Fantastic Four, halfway through an amazing, okay, I gotta go. <laughs> you were in there for a while. Well, you yeah, made it very... We're really rich yeah, food tummy's, last night. Tummy's really a rich food last night. Tommy's yeah. a rumbling. <laughs> oh, it would be, it's Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you know we always have rich food on Tuesday nights? I don't understand it. <laughs> don't understand how that works. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've got. Mm-hmm. What is your random badder, sir? Oh, mine will be quick since we just got out of the holidays. Uh, over Christmas, we had a very musical gift giving holiday. So oh. Aurora got a uh, tambourine and a floor tom which is a drum and a glockenspiel so i've been uh, figuring out how to play those because i'm kind of like well they're here and it turns out that uh, almost all of those involve uh hit it with a thing who bought her these musical instruments santa okay santa hates you no not really because uh, they're actually kind of high quality ones that sound pretty nice so the, and the drum is kind of neat because it's not a loud drum it's interesting how they designed it to be that way i just am thinking that yeah Okay, I'm finally going to get some sleep. Pound, 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 pound. Depending on the time, I shut that stuff down pretty hard. <laughs> hey, let's do the thing over here that's not that because it's late. Uh, but then for me, I got a ukulele. So I get to start playing on that again, too. And the fun part on that is uh, the the tuner that came with it is Snark. Ah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. put that up on our Twitter account. It's like, oh, there's a snark in my Christmas gift because there's a tuner and it's a snark brand one. So I'm like, hey, cool. It ties into the show. Well, I'm just hoping that you're going to actually learn something so that oh, when uh, we go into our next iteration, whatever mm-hmm. that is, you can actually, you know, play and sing the music. Oh, exactly. That's kind of the idea. Hence the reason I'm like, how do I play the floor tom? How do I play the uh, ta- tambourine? How do I play the glockenspiel? All right. Just going to try and tie in all of it and make the weirdest sounding one man band ever. <laughs> that sounds like a really good Christmas and it's a very musical and I'm down with that. I just want to use you for your musical talents. Yep. That's the idea. We are going to be diverting away from the main power pack story for a little bit of a side adventure. This appeared in the pages of Strange Tales. Strange Tales is an anthology title that was revived in the late 80s to cover two different stories featuring Doctor Strange and Cloak and Dagger. This iteration lasted about 19 issues when each of the titles were given their own books. The serialized format allowed for a pretty continuous story that brought in various characters from the Marvel Universe for guest appearances. Just kind of laying that out there for now. So, Jeff, with all this said... Give us a two cents replay from the last episode. 
A mysterious caller tells Alex that they know who and what the kids are, which gets Power Pack worried until a distraction in the form of a young new mutant, but not a new mutant new mutant, appears in their windowsill due to her uncontrolled light attraction teleportation powers before uncontrollably teleporting away again. Well, this puts Power Pack in rescue mode where they fly high into the air and let off a massive powerball to get her attention, which it does, causing her to teleport high up into the night sky to fall to her rescue and eventually return home to her loving family. Now that the, the kids decide to beat the mysterious caller to the power punch and tell their parents about their powers tomorrow, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? Well, spoiler, the Power Pack kids do not tell their parents in this issue. What? That's a total shock, but they said they were going to. They made a promise amongst themselves. I know you're upset, and so I'd like to give you a beer to make you feel better. <sighs> I do need to be mollified with material goods. <laughs> well, let me hand you a nice, happy beer. Jeff. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> Lewitt like Brewing Company, son of a gunship India Pale Ale. Why would I give you something called Son of a Gunship? I don't know. Who are we going to be talking about in these strange tales? Cloak and Dagger. No. Well, uh, yes, but couple, that's not who I'm talking a about. A couple of priests. Night mm, and day. No. Mr. Jip. Power no. Pack. No. Uh, the Kingpin. No. Um, a dealer who has been set up by the Kingpin to tell the Punisher information. Who? Oh, darn it. I let it slip. The Punisher. <laughs> The Punisher is a son of a gunship. Gun yeah, this is pretty cool. This is a, a black label, and it's got like an Apocalypse Now um, rising sun on it with a uh, Apache attack helicopter on it face forward on you. That's kind of fun. It's also uh, the gunship is in that kind of cool 80s retro kind of uh, metallic uh airbrushing kind of paint scheme on it. That's pretty cool. That's kind of neat. And it also uh, leans into the old uh, bright pink for the Son of a and India Pale Ale. <laughs> yeah, I, I walked by this one a couple of times and finally decided that, yeah, this kind of works for this one. I can see that. It's, it's a good Punisher nod yeah. over there. Story time on it is government warning. According to Surgeon General, blah, 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 blah. You know the deal. <laughs> it's just the heads up that, hey, alcohol is bad for people, but you're going to put it in your body. Yeah, this is true. This is is an Indian Pale Ale. It is 5.6% alcohol by volume, 47 IBU. This is a nice little pint can that we got here. Uh, it's also kind of in collaboration with Hammer and Stitch Brewing Company as well. I know it's an IPA, but like I said, I just, I had to go with this one. It's a very cool looking cover. It is a cool looking cover and it ties in really well for the uh, Punisher tie into it. And it's a foamy one. It is... Uh, Actually, it looks a lot like the kind of amber, darker lager color that we yeah. uh, had on our last beer today. Definitely the IPA. Oh, yeah. Pine I cracked smell. it open and gave it a smell, and I'm like, pine mm -hmm. needles. So, yeah, that is this is definitely going to be an IPA from the nose where it smells like, yeah. hey, you know what? It smells kind of like a Christmas tree. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's the season for it. It is the season for piney things. Yes, it is. This is a straight up IPA. It's got the heavy pine. Yes, it is. There is. That is, I think, the most generic IPA we've ever had. Yeah. It is simply an IPA. Yeah. Not good or not bad. It just is straight up an IPA. Yeah, it gives you that kind of a tongue curling in on itself uh, kind of feel going mm -hmm. on from the tartness or the bitterness of the hops. Yeah. Very pine flavor. Uh, aftertaste is 
piney flavor. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's just, it's a uh, hops all around. It's yeah. a pine tree, pine tree in a pint glass. No, I, it's fine. It's co- perfectly fine. I absolutely agree with your assessment. It's yeah. fine. It's for people who love IPAs. This is probably great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, for us, we're not IPA people, but we sure do drink a bunch of them. <laughs> much of it. Oh. At the same time, it's not bad though. I, it's, no, it's, it's not, not bad. No, I'm not turning my nose up at it. I'm not like. I am just kind of like, oh, that is in fact an IPA. It's not promising anything else than it's delivering. No, I could probably give you our power rating right now, but we'll yeah. save that for uh, an hour from now or so. No, it, it's yeah, it's just giving us a straight up IPA. Yeah, it's it is exactly what it is. It is an IPA. Yeah. Now that we have our straight up IPA. Let's talk about the opening credits, if you please, Jeff. Like we mentioned, we are going to be looking at three different issues, and the creative team changes between the first and the second. So, Strange Tales, between the months of March and May of 1988, issue number 12, Blue Skies, issue 13 and 14, Disorderly Conduct. Credits. Writer, Terry Austin. Pencils, for issue number 12, is Wils Protasio. Issues number 13 and 14, June Brigman. Huzzah! Hmm. Yeah, that name sounds familiar for some reason. Oh, wait, is it because it's this awesome human being that we've uh, got to talk to a couple of times? Yes. Which is really nice. She's a great person. Inks, Bob Wyacek. Letters, Ken Buzanak. Colors, issue number 12 is Gregory Wright. Issues 13 and 14 is Glennis Oliver. Editor, Carl Potts. Editor-in-chief is Tom DeFalco. Featuring Cloak. Tyrone Johnson, a teenage man who wears a large cloak that covers a dark dimension that he can travel through. Dagger, Tandy Bowen, a teenage woman who can fire light daggers from her hands. Power Pack, Alex Power, aka Destroyer. You know what he does. He disintegrates matter. He turns it into energy. He can expel power balls. Julie Power, aka Molecula, Mistress of Density. She controls her molecular density. Jack Power, aka Counterweight. He increases and decreases the gravity of objects he touches. Katie Power, a.k.a. Starstreak. She flies really fast, and she leaves a rainbow trail behind her. And, son of a gun ship himself, Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher. He's a vigilante who uses firearms and military training to fight a war on criminals. Also, guest starring, The Kingpin, Wilson Fisk, Ruthless and Rich, one of the heads of New York's crime syndicates. Since these comics run like a serial, we start off on issue number 12 with Dagger falling through the sky. Her and Cloak have been fighting some bad guys in a flying airplane when one of them decided to play Indiana Jones. I don't see how putting on a leather coat and a fedora while yelling about how things belong in a museum is an effective counter to superheroes. Uh, think of the Zeppelin scene. Ah, no ticket. Got it. So that's why Dagger is... Falling through the sky? Yep. This bad guy tossed her out of the plane. And now Dagger is in a bit of a pickle. Fortunately for her, Cloak has the ability to teleport. Unfortunately for him, he is having trouble catching her because she is a moving target. Fortunately for us, her penultimate plummeting is giving her time to recap what has been happening in the story. Unfortunately for us, it does not include Power Pack. Fortunately for everyone involved, they will be showing up soon. Are you finished? Fortunately, and unfortunately, yes. Cloak finally figures out that if he stands under her and teleports up, he can catch her in his cloak. Now the problem is physics. Once he catches her, she continues to fall at the same rate in his dark dimension. He decides to then teleport out into the ocean so he can slowly let water in to slow down her fall. Kind of like shooting a falling cannonball with a fire hose. The problem is, is that that cannonball is Dagger. And unlike Sam Guthrie, she is not nigh invulnerable. So she just has to take that punishment. 
This ingenious plan works, and Cloak finally releases the battered young lady into the ocean. Now their roles are reversed. Cloak passes out from the exertion of needlessly being deep underwater and holding his breath the entire time, and so Dagger has to pull him to the surface and back to shore. Now, while all of that has been happening, the Kingpin has decided he needs to get rid of Cloak and Dagger, who have been a thorn in his considerable side. But he decides to be clever, and he directs his associates to trick the Punisher into attacking the two teenagers. This keeps his hands clean and has the potential of removing up to three unwanted problem people. This little setup takes place as the Punisher starts to shake down a low-level dealer who is trying to sell drugs to kids. This guy quickly tells the Punisher that it was Cloak, Cloak and Dagger, Cloak and Dagger, who are distributing out of the Holy Ghost Church. We would say that this low-level dealer was Rip Rival, and in fact, that is what I thought at first reading. But Rip is resting in peace. Is it too soon to say that the dead Rip Rival is R.I.P.? Meh, I will allow it. While it is not the dearly departed Rip, it is probably one of his rivals. I say this because this confession was conveniently overheard by four familiar school kids right around the corner. Can you guess who they are? No. I'll give you a hint. It's the Power Kids! <gasps> Shock! You know what? This is true. But what is also true is that the Power Kids know that this snitch's squealings are malarkey, so they decide to get involved by dividing and conquering. Julie and Katie will stop the Punisher, while Jack and Alex go to Warren Cloak and Dagger. That sounds like a good plan. Meanwhile, in another part of the story... Home of the... How can they fit seven storylines into 11 pages of comic? Well, Jeff, I'm glad you asked. I don't know. But it appears that Dagger's stepdad has just left her mom. Dagger's mom seems like a real piece of work. Even though her daughter is missing, she is running off to be an actress. Nice! Well, stepdad is going to step back from his previous step-off parenting techniques and finally step up and look out for his stepchild while the stepping-away mom tells the cabbie to step on it and to get her out of the story. Step. What are you doing? I got a Fitbit for Christmas and I'm trying to get my steps in. I'm glad that you got your steps in because you just walked us to the fun part of the synopsis where we get to talk about... Kitty Powers War Journal. Oh, yeah. While the Punisher is recklessly driving down the street, breaking a number of traffic laws, Katie and Julia are following him from above. According to Katie and her <coughs> war journal, My sister Julia and me have a deadly, dangerous job. Stop the Punisher, save Cloak and Dagger, and don't be late for supper. Julie's first act of sabotage is to unplug some automotive thingy by clouding down, then shrinking onto the engine of his battle wagon which is only effective until the Punisher gets out and fixes it by plugging it back in. But Katie summarizes this well. Success! Turns to bitter ashes in our mouths. Next, they try a combination airstrike slash gas attack with Katie dropping a garbage can and Julie smoking out the inside. Punisher crashes his van and takes off on foot, running through the alleys towards the church. So, their plan to stop him did not work, but they at least slowed him down a little bit. But, you know what? That shouldn't be a problem, right? After all, the Power Boys are still in play. And they play for keeps, remember? Oh, you mean Speedy and the Flash? The two pedestrian members of the team who have to take public transit to get across town. Yeah, they managed to pull up in time to see the Punisher running down an alley towards the church. You had one job, guys. One. While all this has been happening, Cloak and Dagger have managed to drag themselves back to the church from their adventure under and above the sea. Tired and exhausted, they notice that their normally abandoned domicile seems a bit more occupied. So they spring to the attack. Which is normal behavior in a church. 
Hey, they had a dragon in here once, remember? Well, this is not a dragon. It is a priest. In fact, a priest related to Dagger. He has received permission to clean up this abandoned property and use it as an outreach center. He also has a message for Dagger. Her stepdad is in town and wants to see her to let her know that he wants to act like an actual parent to her now. Wow. There is also another subplot about a cop who lost her partner, and that partner is now a ghost of some sort, and this ghost is trying to get guidance from a former priest that has gone insane and isn't an institution. But it really does not impact the Power Pack storyline, so you know what? <laughs> Skip it. Hey, you know what? That's a great idea, as skipping plot points is essential for a detailed synopsis. So, besides these non-important characters, we now have all the key players in one place. And we need to see what happens when the Punisher, Power Pack, a Priest, and Cloak and Dagger all do when they walk into a bar. I mean, meet. What, what happens when they all meet outside of a church? I'm guessing flowers and rainbows. More like gunshots and bullets. Katie's War Journal. Final entry. The war is over. We lost. Now, before we get all morose, we should point out that this is the end of issue 13. And, like a good serial, State Farm is there. I mean, we are left with the Punisher firing his gun above the heads of Dagger and Father Mike, while Jack and Alex have floated onto the roof to talk to Cloak. Good point. We should also try and figure out why Punisher did this. I mean, he must have a good reason. Like he was threatened or Dagger and his uncle tried to run away or something? No. No. Discharging firearms is just how the Punisher says hi. Really? Wow. That's uh, kind of dangerous, isn't it? Oh, no. You see, he is a good guy with a gun, and he is a professional. And before we get too many angry letters, let's see what Cloak and Power Pack think of this development. Well, Cloak is not in tip-top shape at the moment, and his instinctive and rash move of trying to teleport and slam the gun-wielding dude ends with him being tossed into some garbage cans. Next on the initiative order is Julie, who for some reason is on the scene in microform. Hey, mister! Then she grows to normal height, her finger in front of Punisher's face. Don't you hurt our friends! Followed by a quick clouding in the Punisher's face. Why don't you pick on somebody your own size? And a rainbow ribbon by Katie. Yeah, like Godzilla, maybe! And to top all this off, Father Mike steps up, fist raised, all of the cowardly line. Looking for a fight! Looking for a fight! Well, the Punisher may be a gun-crazed lunatic, but he does draw the line at fisticuffs with kids and priests, and he puts down his weapons. Well, one of his weapons. If he put them all down, we'd be here for a while, right? He also explains that he just came here to talk. He knew the information he was being given was bogus, but he wanted to check out the story anyway. Hold up there, cowboy. You knew this was fishy, and you wanted to check it out by talking? So you came in here shooting first? <laughs> wow. Just, just wow. Well, yeah. That was why he discharged his weapon, to show that it was empty. If he wanted to fight, he would have discharged his weapon and then reloaded it. The kids are a bit skeptical. They have heard stories that he was shooting up jaywalkers and litter bugs. The Punisher quickly explains that he was out of his mind at the time because he had been involuntarily drugged by criminals and turned into something that he hates. So, that was then, and this is now. And this is now where he is completely rational and in control. You know, as thin as this excuse is, this is a situation that Cloak and Dagger are familiar with on a personal level. You don't believe me? Then check out every other conversation they have about their origin story amongst themselves and to anyone that will listen. As Power Pack informs the gathered group about how they got involved, the Punisher reiterates that he does not hurt kids and that he used to have a daughter like Katie. Katie wants proof in the form of a secret. So in a whisper, not even we can hear, 
Frank Castle informs the young girl of a secret so secret that we can only assume that what he told her was this. He keeps a diary. Um, actually, it's called the Punisher's War Journal, and he uses it for chronicling all of his illegal activities as a vigilante. As I said, a diary. And now Katie is starting one too, called Katie Powers War Journal. The kids costume off and are about to head home when another interloper interrupts the group. This time it is Dagger's stepfather, who quickly steps up in front of the Punisher and threatens to flourish some judo moves on him if he has harmed one hair on his daughter's head. And, in an amazing show of restraint, the skull-wearing warrior just walks away with a look on his face like he's about to have an aneurysm. Bye, Punisher. Bye, Frank. Bye, Bye Mr. Castle. Apparently, in a non-existent panel, it is conveyed to the powers that this guy is new in town. This guy being Dagger's stepfather. And he doesn't have a place to live. So even though he just showed some amazingly poor judgment by raising hands against the Punisher... Alex tells Dagger that there is an open apartment in their building that he can move into. You know, on the west side of New York, um, upper west side, and a guy who hasn't shown that he has any financial means at all. He cleared out his wife's accounts because she's an actress, and she had even said when he was grumping at her, it's like, you didn't seem to mind my money when we got married. So I'm guessing he had a little stipend or a joint bank account. Okay. He's like, I'm leaving you, but I'm, I'm keeping the checkbook. Okay. Some time passes, and a few more long-term Cloak and Dagger storylines are touched on, including Dagger, in civilian clothes, visiting the insane ex-priest who now worships a demon. Hmm, fun times. But eventually, this story resolves in the Powers apartment. Dagger's stepdad has taken an open apartment in the Powers building, and he and Tandy have been invited over for a birthday party. Maggie has a cake with candles, they all sing, and Jack and Katie help blow out the candles for the birthday boy. And who is the birthday boy, you may ask? Obviously, it is the one and only Yoda the Hamster. Uh, okay, okay, okay. We have been covering all of the issues of Power Pack for the last year and a half or so, and I do not remember them having a hamster. Well, then you just have not been paying attention. And if you're not going to give just a little bit of effort, I don't see why I have to help you. I mean, the signs have been there. You just have to open your eyes and see them, man. Jeez. How are people going to think of us as knowledgeable experts on Power Pack if you don't even know about Yoda the Hamster? Oh, uh, well, okay, well, uh, uh, sorry. I mean, well, whatever the reason for the cake and ice cream, Phil and Tandy are happy to be over there. Katie seems to really be taking a shine to this guy, and Tandy seems to be happy to have her stepdad back in her life. Whatever the reason, the reason is the hamster. Anyway, while the party is going on in the living room, Julie slips away with an extra piece of cake. Cloak is hiding out in her room. Apparently, Tandy is keeping her secret identity from the power parents as well. There is a very touching scene between Julie and Tyrone. Apparently, the dark power in Cloak's body means that he does not require food, and he has not tried eating since being changed. But Julie encourages him to try to eat the cake anyway. If you don't need to eat, does that mean you can't eat? I don't know. He takes the cake and slowly takes a bite. It tastes good. Then, when Cloak is ready, she pulls down a copy of Where the Wild Things Are and sets it on their laps so they both can see. Okay, begin. That night, Max wore his wolf suit and made miss. Found it out. My miss. C H I E F. Mischief. Mischief. Good. And made mischief of one kind or another. His mother called him Wild Thing, and Max said. Next issue, back to Power Pack with Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep. Power Pack, 
packaging time. Oh, you dark tormented soul, you. Yeah, tell I me, get that a lot. Tell me of the covers that have harmed you so. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that not these. I, I kind of like these. I kind of uh-huh. like these. Yeah. We got three different covers here. 12, issue 13, number, and 14. <laughs> issue number 12 is drawn by Wills Portacio and inked by Terry Austin. 13 is drawn by June Brigman, inked by Terry Austin. And 14 drawn by Kevin Nolan. Which one's your favorite? I really like uh, 13. It is, uh, and I figured out why. Uh, they're all kind of okay. Mm-hmm. The uh, 12 and 14 are split covers. Yeah. Like, uh, 12 has Tandy falling out of a plane and she's all splayed out and looks freaked out. And you can see Cloak in the background on the yeah. plane looking down at her. And the bottom half is a Doctor Strange picture and he's like sitting in some rubble and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's fine. Tandy's a little goofy looking, but yeah. I guess I would be goofy looking too if I just got chucked out of a plane. You, you look at the plane and you look at a Cloak and he's very, there's a lot of angular and sharp lines, which yeah. you can kind of see repeated on Tandy. Yeah, it's uh, that was the kind of the art in this one, though. Yeah. It had a lot of just like, yeah, throw some shapes together. You yeah. understand that's a leg. Yeah, that, that's kind of Will Par- Will's Partasio. Yeah. And then uh, 14, another split cover. Up top, it has kind of a, you know, Doctor Strange laying out, and he's, you know, wrapped up by tentacles. And the bottom looks really good. It's got, you know, a mean-looking Punisher in front of, uh, you know, Tandy and Power Pack and stuff. And Punisher's got a shotgun kind of aimed at Tyrone. And, I, it, you know, it looks okay. I like Punisher and, and Cloak in that, but... Dagger and Power Pack, they, they all look weird. Yeah, they're pretty rough looking. But, it looks like it was a very micro sketch yeah. done on a napkin that then kind of got blown up and I, turned into a I like the Doctor cover. Strange part of this one. Yeah, That's the Doctor Strange one. one looks great. But, uh, you know, you were saying, what one's my favorite? And yeah. I really like number 13. And I think one of the reasons I figured out why is because, uh, first of all, it looks pretty good. But also, it focuses exclusively on there's a big Punisher skull in the background. Then there's Cloak and Dagger and Power Pack on it. So it's... It, it's I, 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 I realized this where I was like, oh, I really like this one. How come? And I'm like, oh, because it's just showing our guys. It's showing our team. I, so. I would have liked seeing the, the another split cover to you know, put more of Doctor Strange in there because you think, oh, Doctor Strange is part of that one too, but yeah. not a separate story. How about you? I kind of agree with you, but I lean a little bit heavy towards 12, even though there are some weird things. Mm-hmm. I like the action of Tandy falling out of the sky and just okay. like, and you're just going to see on the bottom i'm not sure what's going on with dr strange but he looked like he had a bad day <laughs> yeah that is uh, well, that is, I, I was gonna say the same thing that would be the uh, definition photo of a bad day yeah i think i would lean a little heavier towards 12 but okay. but i do like june brigman's work and yeah. i do like i especially like the background of the punisher some yeah that i think is pretty cool it's yeah. uh, they, they, uh, they all look good yeah uh i think my biases are just showing through though sure sure i get that i get that a lot so uh, there's a lot of storylines happening in, in all three of these books. Like we said, this is an old school serial. We're on issues 12, 13, and 14. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. We've only got 11 pages of this book because the other 12 or the other 11 pages are covered by Doctor Strange. Different storyline, totally. Yeah, totally unrelated. Totally unrelated. Did not no. need to be touched on at no. all. No. <laughs> but. There's a lot of storylines going on just within the Cloak and Dagger. Right? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. They even yeah jump over to other other storylines where it's yeah. like, these characters have nothing to do with me at all. Kind no, of thing. But, it, but like we said, this is a serial. It's interesting because it's, it's more of the long-term storyline. Mm-hmm. Like... It's like watching a, a run of a TV show. Yeah. They really reference back to what's going on prior. <laughs> Let's use a life example for me. When I got introduced to uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer on season, like the tail end thing of season three or something. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, 
Why is she dating a vampire if she slays vampires? Why is he a werewolf? Who's that guy? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why is that a big deal? <laughs> you can get through the episode, mm-hmm. but there are things that they touch on and things that they talk about which are like, what is that? Yeah. There's a lot of the Power Pack storylines we can pick up and I can just give to somebody. Mm-hmm. And say, read oh, this. Yeah, it's what a do you solo think? standalone. Solo it's standalone. Totally... Monster of the yep. week. Yep. They sometimes refer back to things, but not deep as this. But not to the point where you're like, I don't understand what that means. It just says, you know, Whitey came here from space and gave us our powers to save the Earth. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, that seems like a big deal. But at the same time, I to- I get that. Right. I can picture strange, what you're talking about. These strange tales do not operate under the Jim Shooter level of editorial mandate of every comic book is somebody's first. Yeah. These ones are like, you need to start back at number mm-hmm. one or start running and catch up. Catch up. They kind of, they do give you enough information to be sure. got up because heck, like uh, number 12, half of that is just exposition of dagger falling, yeah. uh, doing a backstory. Yeah. Just go at, you know, it's like the, well, I'm falling through the sky. How'd I get here? Maybe if I think about it, uh, it'll distract me from the plummeting to my death. Backstory, flashback, yeah. other thing story, other other thing story. But it's very serialized because mm-hmm. you have the cliffhanger at each oh. one of these yeah. yep, yep, yep. up until 14. 14, it ends without a cliffhanger. Uh, kind of. There, there, there are some storylines there, that, story kind of, that are still held there, but, but that the, storyline is dope. Yeah, but the last page is Julie teaching Cloak how to read. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, which is fantastic. I love that one. But the, the others, it's very much... She's falling out of an airplane. Yeah. We pick up where she's falling out of. Yeah. They get shot at by the Punisher. Like Punisher, yeah. They're, yeah they're, oh, Punisher shooting at him. Ah, they're trapped in the ocean. Ah, yeah. This is going to, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that's just, yeah, you're, you're, you're left wanting what's going on, what's going mm-hmm. on, what's going on. As far as this entire storyline and run, Terry Austin wrote the Cloak and Dagger story from issue eight until the end of Strange Tales and then continued on into the Cloak and Dagger series. So Terry Austin is in the middle of this is my story. Yep. I am writing this story. Yep. It is deep. It is intricate. And there's a lot going on. Yeah. Now, Terry Austin, he wrote the Goo Game Adventure one, right? Yes, he did. Yep. And I think he does a much better job dealing with the kids' voices in here than he yeah. did in the Power Back comic. It's true. Which is nice to see. Yeah. Um, I think that we said at that time that it was one of Terry Austin's first writing yeah. jobs. Yeah. And it you could really tell this is a much better showing. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot more polished. It's a lot more refined. It's yeah. uh yeah, it has the voices. Correct. Right. And I mean, his main focus definitely is cloak and dagger and this deep, deep storyline that he's been building and building and building. Yeah. And he's going to keep on building throughout, but it, it is nice to see more of a handle on what's going on. So the powers are very accepting of new people. Yeah, they are. They're very warm. They're very welcoming. <laughs> Well, it's that it's that uh, classical New York hospitality that you hear about all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I've laughing heard. in agreement. I know. <laughs> I have nothing, nothing but respect for your thoughts and opinions, Jeff. Um, <laughs> no, it, it just there's a weird twist there, and not seeing where it's going. I, I know Power Pack's not in any more of these, but I guess they just need to. Put him somewhere. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't uh, know. It, just, it, it seems fine. Weird... It's kind of neat in case you want to t- bring him back or bring the powers sure. back, uh, and it ties him into the greater world, which makes sense to me. Uh, it is kind of funny where like Alex just intuitively knows that uh, Tandy's stepdad has nowhere to stay and just got into town, but that's kind of like a hand wave, whatever. I, I would have been, 
I would have been much happier with the story if they just did a cut to Power Pack's apartment mm-hmm. and they were having some conversation about, you know, they they met a friend, you know, they, they met a friend um, uh, named Tandy and, yeah. and, and they were just kind of talking to their parents about it and stuff and, and Julie asked to be excused and she goes to her room and she meets Cloak and so okay, here's our time where we're going to, you know, talk about you learning how to read and I'm going to help you. That would have been kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Still, the way that they did it, I thought was yeah, fun. I just, and, it just seemed a little weird to like, the only reason we got all of that is through, we are getting this guy, a complete stranger, an apartment in our building mm-hmm. that just came opened up, and we're going to invite him over for a hamster's birthday party that we have never seen before. Wait a minute. I thought you had said that we had known about the hamster all this time. I meant, you I meant, rough, rough shot on me saying that I didn't know about it. What do you I mean meant, we've never seen it before? I, I, meant, I meant this hamster who... Integral um, member of Power Pack. This hamster who's been hibernating ever since issue one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that hamster came out of nowhere. Yeah. Was, they really set that up that it was like uh, Alex's birthday. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah the birthday boy help him blow it out. I'll help him blow it out. I want the first kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was it was fine. Um, it was, there was fine a very storytelling. Cool idea. Yeah. There was a very cool idea that Terry Austin had a point he wanted to make, and I think that there was a bit of a. I've got this crowbar and I'm going to make it work. <laughs> yeah, he shoehorned it in really hard. And but again, you know, honestly, I'm really pretty fine with it. And we can just assume off panel that uh, the kids were talking to their parents and saying, "Hey, you know, um, our friend's stepdad has just moved into the sure. apartment, and you know, we know who are just from existing in mm-hmm. town." And hey, you know, he doesn't know anybody. Could we invite him over for the birthday party? And then our friend could come over too, kind of thing. So. Yeah. There's a lot of ways they could cover it, but honestly, it doesn't matter. It really was honestly there to get to uh, Julie helping Cloak learn how to read. Which is cool. Yeah, I love Which it. is I love the best part of that. Yeah. Um, and the fact that uh, when uh, what's Philip, Tandy's uh, stepdad, was asking Jim Power, it's like, uh, you guys really celebrating this? Are you looking for an excuse to eat you know, cake and ice cream? And yes. Jim, Jim's all like... <laughs> <laughs> an excuse to eat cake and ice cream. I don't know what you're talking about. Also, what kind of ice cream do you want? Do you want vanilla or chocolate <laughs> chip? Because I'm having both. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is an excuse to eat cake yeah. and ice cream, yep, which yep, is yep, really yep. great. So, Let's talk a little bit about Punisher. Mm-hmm. Do you consider Punisher a hero? Uh, he is an anti-hero. I've always liked Punisher. <laughs> Superhero, no. He's... He's fitting kind of like the two-fisted, uh, gun-wielding... I mean, it's a classic stereotype kind of thing. It's like, it's the shadow. It's the uh, phantom. It's the, you know, twin 45s and a punch to beat up crime. He's a crime buster is what he is. He's just kind of brought into the modern age where you start kind of having like, oh, it's this gun-toting guy. But is there a difference between I shoot a gun or I shoot a, a powerball? You know, it's like they're both kind of devastating kind of thing. So he is an anti-hero. Yeah. But he's okay. still in the hero aspect of superheroes. Okay. But there is definitely a niche. There is your Captain America's and then you start kind of going south of there. And right. so he's uh yeah, he's a uh, he's got a purple lightsaber, let's say. <laughs> Wait, are you saying Mace Windu is an anti-hero? Well, in my understanding of the lore, not really, but they were saying that uh, purple lightsaber means that you're 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 kind of close to Sith. Is how Are they were explaining that, that. Mace Windu has a leather wallet that 
Anyways, moving on. <laughs> that says Bad Jedi Master bad on it. Bad Jedi Master. Yeah, I want you to reach in there and pull out my wallet. What's it say? It says Bad Jedi bad Master, Jedi Master. Yeah. 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 Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's all uh, you've had to say. <laughs> That's all you had to say. So, Katie likes- Say midichlorians one more time. <laughs> I dare you. I double dare you to say it. <laughs> And I walk through Dagobah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a saying that I like. <laughs> Those who know my Jedi cloak <laughs> will know me as a Force Master. <laughs> with calm and patient virtue. I got one more thing with Pyshire. Uh Katie likes to collect secrets from superheroes. Yes, she does. She also likes climbing on super strong members of teams. Yeah. She, it's her way of exerting dominance. She's, okay. she's the alpha power. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess so. The thing's not more powerful than me. I've used him as a jungle gym. <laughs> Punisher's not more powerful than me. He told me he has a diary. I'm going to keep asking. journal. I'm going to keep on asking superheroes uh, secret questions until I get the ultimate life equation. Hmm. That's DC property, though. Yeah, but Katie doesn't care. Katie's jump over. It's like, hi, Lex. Could you tell me what the da 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 da? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, I think it's it's very much just a five year old thing. It's probably, probably no yeah. secret. Yeah. Tell no, me. I, I get that. I get that completely. We've talked about it before. Julie teaching Cloak how to read. Yeah. Very very cool. That's honestly uh, the best part of it of three stories. Of three comics in this is that I think is amazing. Yeah, his word journal is pretty cool too. Also, I will say that this does set up another storyline down the line that Terry Austin's going to do. Okay, with meeting Punisher but in Power Pack or in Power Pack. Okay, yeah, but I do like uh, Kitty's word journal. That oh, that's it's cool. adorable, especially because it's got like scratch outs and misspellings and like Little hearts, hearts and, and flowers. flowers and just smiley faces and stuff. It's super cute. But with having Julie teach Cloak how to read definitely definitely cool and that kind of runs into my library card because let's talk about literature in the comic book well we've got a book right here and that is overtly referenced they even say it in the uh, closing sequence yeah where the wild things are by maurice sendak now as far as what this is this book was written back in 1963 and this was not really well accepted at the time. When it first came out, it was banned in a lot of libraries and actually received a lot of negative reviews. It took some time for librarians and teachers to really find out that this was a good book. And at that point in time, a lot of critics started to relax what was going on. Now, what this book is about, if anybody out there has not seen it or read it, it's a kid's book. And it's about this boy named Max, who dresses in a wolf costume and goes through the house and just is wild is crazy he is adhd before they ever talked about adhd and of course his mother is like you just go to your bed without any supper and so while he's up there max starts to he's fuming he's angry and he lays down his bed and he watches as his room transforms into this jungle environment and he gets up and he sails to an island inhabited by these giant beasts known as wild things and he goes out there intimidates these creatures and becomes their king of the wild things and enjoys this romp with all of them but after time he realizes okay this is fun and all but i miss my home and so 
Even though the beasts want him to stay, he sails back to his home and he returns to his bedroom and he gets there and it's still the same night. And his mother, even though his mother was mad at him, brought up a hot supper and it's waiting for him. So there's a lot of interesting themes that are in this book. First of all, it's uh, the style of writing is very interesting. It's, it's very evocative. It's, it uses a lot of very strong words that are repetitive and rhyming. There's a, a good structure, almost, almost Seussian level to it. But there's a lot of interesting underlying themes. It's about a young boy who is angry, who's out of control, and who wants to be as angry and out of control as he possibly can be. But then, you know, he still is a mama's boy inside. He still wants the love and respect of his mother. And I think he has to go through a lot of getting what he wants and realizing what he wants is not going to fill up the part in his heart that it is filled up by his mother's love, and he misses his mother's love. So there's a lot of interesting themes in the books, and, and a lot has been done with it over time. There have been a lot of adaptations. Uh, there has been there have been a lot of animated cartoons. There have been there's been one live action movie that came out. There has been an opera that's been done. There's been a lot of interesting things that have been done with this. A lot of people have really looked over and over this book, but it's. It, it's just a really good, good story. And it's one of those that, being fathers, both Jeff and I have read this to our children, our, our daughters, aloud. And just doing a little bit of rough research online and looking at some things, President Obama read it aloud to the children attending the White House Easter Egg World multiple years. Not saying that that's just, you know, a you know, stamp on what this book is, but it is a very world-recognized book, and it's one of those great literature books that's out there. So that's what I have for my literature corner. It is a classic story. Yes, it is. Now let's talk about where the science things are, where they gnash their beakers and throw and turn on their Bunsens, and they burn their chemicals. <laughs> Well, if you're burning your chemicals, that's not great. Well, that's just get, that's getting beyond the hey, point. I am making this up as yeah, I go, man. No, that was really good. That was really great. I like that. We start this run with Dagger falling without a parachute after being thrown out of an airplane. Well, we know that she survives this fall because Cloak catches her. But what if he didn't? Would she have been able to survive this? Surprisingly, the answer is yes. Vesna Volvik holds the Guinness World Record for surviving the highest fall without a parachute. On January 26, 1972, a briefcase bomb exploded in the baggage hold of the flight that she was a flight attendant on, causing the plane to break apart and to crash. Surviving a plane crash is an incredible feat in itself, but when you find out how far she fell, you will be amazed. She fell 33,330 feet. And that converts to 6.31 miles. Like I said, amazing. Air safety investigators attributed Volvic's survival to her being trapped by a food cart in the DC-9's fuselage as it broke away from the rest of the aircraft and plummeted towards the ground. When the cabin depressurized, the passengers and other flight crew were blown out of the aircraft and fell to their deaths. Investigators believed that the fuselage, with Volvic pinned inside, landed at an angle in a heavily wooded and snow-covered mountainside, which cushioned the impact. Volovic's physicians concluded that her history of low blood pressure caused her to pass out quickly after the cabin depressurized and kept her heart from bursting on impact. 
So she survived, but don't take that as a fact that anybody could walk away from this. Vesna herself suffered broken legs, a broken back. In fact, one of her vertebrae were crushed and uh, she was in a coma for about a month and has no memory of the explosion. She has amnesia for that period of time. So while yes, you could technically fall out of a plane and survive, even if you're a superhero, I wouldn't really recommend it. So survivable. Yes, but don't try it. If you don't have to don't try this at home. Yeah. They're professionals. They're professionals. (laughs) She was a professional flight attendant, which Apparently made her able to survive falling a very long distance, but over six miles she fell. That is crazy. I've read about her before. Yeah, it's a fascinating story. It really is. There's a number of people that have survived really far falls, but that one is the yeah. highest, and that is just nuts. But when you hear it, you're like, oh, she survived a, a plane crash where she fell six miles, and you're like, oh, that's impressive. You're like, yeah, but she was really messed up and walked with a limp, and they didn't think she was going to ever move again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's science corner, and. That's some powerful thoughts, and I think that that might just bring us to power thoughts. Segway! Segway, and that'll take us to Segway. And a Segway is something that is not a refrigerator, but you could still put pieces of art on that Segway. So, let's look at our refrigerator gallery and see what pieces of art need to be on the family refrigerator. Would you like me to go first? Uh, It doesn't matter if you want to. (laughs) Since you've taken over that section. I did, and I could go first, or you could. You're in charge. Uh, I can go first. We start with a joke backup one, and my joke backup one is in issue 12, page one. Okay, go on. (laughs) Yep. And I call this one free, free falling. Because this is a splash page that shows Tandy being, you know, falling out of the airplane. She's just in air, just falling, and she's, you know, tea kettle over cups, so to speak. And uh, I just thought that that was kind of funny. I don't know. Just her all discombobulated, just free falling to the floor. She's falling so fast. She's covering up a lot of the credits of this issue. Mm -hmm. That's how fast she's falling. Yeah, that's some fast falling. That's some fast falling. Mm -hmm. No, I do like that one. That is, that one did cross my path, but I didn't choose that one. I went all the way to issue 14 Mm -hmm. and I was looking at page six and uh, (laughs) yeah. And and I call this one easy there, big fella. Yeah. And, and, and this is Philip's going to go to town on Frankie if yeah, he's and, and this messed is where up his daughter. Who has pencil thin mustache and is wearing a very fashion forward shirt there. Well, he, it's a sweater. It's a striped sweater on top of a button he, up. Yeah, it's an ugly color. It but is really hideous. He, well, when they showed him earlier, he's in like a uh, like a flannel bathrobe out on the street too. It's just like he ain't very classy. No, looking. <laughs> he's got his hands up in like karate position, and 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 he is just mm, looking all mean at Punisher. And Punisher's got to be just like yeah. Again, that's why I referenced yeah. uh, you know the like Punisher's looking at him like he's going to have an aneurysm because literally the panel above that is. It, the Punisher's just glancing, you know, glaring down like a foot lower on this guy, just with like one eye, just kind of like cocked up, just like, don't kill the man. She's <laughs> just an idiot. You, you don't belong yeah. here. You, you, you know who I am, right? What's my name? Yeah. Uh, what, what do you have for your top funny one? My top funny one is in back in number 12 on page six. Mm-hmm. And I call it. Stripes are very slimming. <laughs> it's in a upper left-hand side of the page, and it is a, a picture of Kingpin. It's a very close-up on him of kind of like his torso and head, and uh, you can tell you can you can in, 
infer that he's standing next to some blinds because the blinds are casting shadows on him, casting slimming lines all over him. They aren't slimming. It, they it's not, are not slimming at all. It ain't working, man. No, it ain't working. working. I am going to go back to issue 14, page three. Uh, it's the top uh, corner, and I call this one, Listen Here, Big Man. Yeah. Oh, that is actually my number one art pick. That's my favorite favorite. It's, it's a good one for that, too, mm-hmm. but I found this very funny. It's, oh, it's, I, 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 honestly, I struggled between putting it in the top funny and yeah. the top art. It's Julie coming up from micro form to her regular size form, which still comes up to about halfway yeah. up Punisher. But I mean, it's a, it's a what? It's a 10-year-old. Sure. You know, talking to an adult. But she's coming up and she's like, don't you hurt our friend. And she's yep. waving her finger in his face as she's like growing big. Yeah. And he's just like, what is happening? <laughs> he is looking down on yeah. her. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, what did you call this one? Listen here, big man. Listen here, big man. I called it Brave Power. Good choice around. Mm-hmm. All right. Backup best one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my backup best one is in issue 14 mm-hmm. on page one. And I call it, my back is as broad as my grouping. Okay. Because <laughs> it is, uh, it's showing Punisher with his back to the camera, uh, looking at Tandy and uh, Father Mike at the church where he's sprayed some bullets. So the uh, he, he did a wide spray of bullets onto the church and uh, Punisher's back is about as broad. So yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it just looked really cool. It was good uh, it was good imagery and good angles on stuff. It, it is really good. I do like that one. And I, I do like the fact that he outlined both the priest and dagger. Mm-hmm. I, bullets are right around them. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. No, that's a good one. That's a very, very good one. My backup one is back on page three. Mm-hmm. And I'm calling this one Ribbon Them Up. Oh, yeah. It's a Katie action. Yep. This is kind of follows up. After Julie grows big and then clouds around him and then Katie ribbons around uh, Punisher. It's a very cool. I I like it when Katie does this, when she does the ribbon around Mm -hmm. people. It's very, very cool. We already know what your top one is because I stole it from you. Well, that's okay. So I want to know what your top one is. Go to page 15. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is going to be very obvious. But this is the page where Julie has come to the room. She's given the cake to Cloak. And at the bottom, the bottom middle, she's sitting on the bed with the book in between them. And she's reading to Cloak. Yeah. Well, she's having uh, Cloak read it. She's she's helping him sound stuff out. So, yeah. And it's just very, very touching. We've we've waxed plague about it. it. It's just a really, really good scene. And it's a very good picture. And I, I just wanted to call more attention to it no it is pretty fantastic the stuff the last yeah the last two pages on this book really really drew me in yeah yeah, yeah. enough of this goody two stuff let's let's make fun of some stuff i, I need all some right. laughter let's laugh all right let's look at some insults so this is rubber and glue yes it is where the kids say mean stuff to each other or to <laughs> other people and we see who says what that makes us go <laughs> 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 what do you have for your backup one my backup rubber and glue moment is on uh, in issue 13 on page 11 and it's Jack and Alex talking and it's when they're floating up the church to go talk to cloak who's perched up near the spire for you know whatever dramatic reasons and Jack's all no need to get your gums in an uproar counterweight master of anti-gravity is on the job and Alex responds with master of the big mouth is more like it <laughs> master of the big mouth is more like it <laughs> and the next line, too. I, I kind of like the next corner as well. Yeah. Go ahead and read that one for me. Hey, 
Bud, wake up and smell the coffee. The Punisher thinks that you and Dagger are dealing drugs, and he's right behind us with a big bunch of goo. I, I know. Yeah. Hey, Bud. Bud, <laughs> wake up and smell the coffee. No, th- those are th- those are good. Those are both good. We both have them there. Yeah, that's you, both of our backups, which is pretty great. What do you have for your top one? My top one is in issue number 12 on page six. Okay. And this is Kingpin in his uh, penthouse whatever business apartment office whatever it is this huge open space that he owns and uh he's just thinking to himself and he's all dagger deserves to die and that supercilious haunt cloak too Ooh, supercilious haunt that's great i just i just like it i just like it i like supercilious haunt i thought that was pretty great that's all right that's all right i was my hey my favorite doesn't mean it has to be somebody else's favorite i know i'm just saying that you're wrong yeah you do that i do that not infrequently (laughs) Welcome to the new year. We're tur- we're turning over no leaves. I will be nicer to Jeff next year. <laughs> yeah, mm, that didn't work. That lasted until I saw him. I made it 15 hours. Way to go, me. Huzzah. You did it, Rick. You Yay. made it. Mine is in book 14, mm-hmm. and it's page three, and it's the same scene where uh, Katie is doing the ribbons around uh, Punisher. It's kind of a cross between that one and the one before where Julie says, why don't you pick on somebody your own size? Uh-huh. And Katie responds to, yeah, like, like Godzilla, Godzilla, maybe. Yeah, I like that one. It's, yeah. uh, the, the, it's a bad taunt, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, there was another one in uh, Katie's War Journal where, because it turns out in uh, like book 12, Alex is all like, okay, um, girls, you can fly, go warn Cloak and Dagger, and we'll slow down Punisher. And then they show in like 14 in the War Journal that... Uh, Katie was like, no, we're not going to go do that. And they flip a coin to decide who goes. And uh, so that's why Alex and Jack had to go st- you know, warn warn them. Because she's like, and the stu- you know, the dumb boys thought that you know, this was a job that only girls could do. And it was just like, no, it made sense because you guys are fast. You could go right. there. But I just like dumb boys. Yeah, which is a pretty good one, too. But I didn't pull that because, again, super silliest haunt. Super silliest haunt. Yep. Let's talk about stars in detention. We wanted to figure out who, which child is the best and worst of these issues. Okay. So, like always, we start with worst. Yep. I am going... Nobody really did anything bad sure. that were, was warranting, like, oh, this person was a total jerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to say Jack okay. is the, my detention child. He really didn't do anything. And what kind of cinched it is when him and Alex were on the bus for public transit, an older lady with bags and everything comes across yeah. and, and uh, Jack is just, he's sitting down and Alex is the one who's like, Jack, get up and give him, give her your seat. Yeah. And, and, the, and the old lady was, Oh, thanks young man. You're my hero. And he's all fooey. And it's just like, nah, okay. so that is honestly about it for the worst thing that happened. That's pretty nothing. Yeah. But it, it was just like, nobody, did anything really bad or wrong? It didn't matter. The only reason I kind of gave a pass on Jack is he actually used his power to float up to uh, Cloak, and he was trying to get Cloak yeah, down there. Yeah, there's that. Um, I just felt like Alex was not there. Alex kind of wasn't there. You know, he came up with the original plan of like, uh, you know, girls go warn them. Yeah, and but- also he had Jack get up out of his seat. Also, when he's on the church and Jack's all like, that dude's got guns, disintegrate, you know, blast him with a powerball. And he's like, I have to disintegrate something to power up. And, he's, and Jack's all, do it. And Alex is like, I'm on a church. I'm not disintegrating a church to shoot a powerball at somebody. So 
it's an unused church. <laughs> it was starting to be. Well, it's Cloak yeah. and Dagger were living there, I and it's going to become a community center. But it was just the aspect of like, I'm not going to just deface a, a landmark or you know community center to just there shoot were things power that he done, There's things that he could have done, but again, there was a lot of people that didn't really do much. Jack and Alex both really, yeah, were kind of like, and we were there too, kind Yay. of kind of people. So I think we're both right on the same one for best. Uh, yeah, probably for the same reason. Yeah, uh, Yoda's birthday. Yoda the hamster, integral member of Power Pack. If you don't think he's a member of Power Pack, I've been informed that he's a founding member. Most powerful. Favorite. Fan favorite. Yeah, Julie. <laughs> yeah, Julie's the best. Plain and simple, Julie. Julie, 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 there, Julie. There are times I don't have to do anything except just stare at Jeff. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to eventually get there. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Julie did a lot of good stuff in this. Uh, I... I Katie was a close second because, you know, her power journal. <laughs> yeah. And she was trying to direct and lead the she team. She was pulling some leadership yeah. duties, yeah. But, you know, Julie didn't mind standing up to the Punisher. No. Julie, uh, te- I mean, at the end of the day, it's Plain she- and simple, if she did nothing other than bring Tyrone cake and help him learn to read. Yeah. That was more that's than it. almost anybody else did, honestly. Right. That is huge. And that's very much in her character. Yeah. So, Yes. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Um, so let's go ahead and roll these up, and we are going to use this as just one story. Yeah. Because it's it, the way we read it is just one nice book. It is one nice book, and mm-hmm. honestly, it was they were in it for about an issue's worth of pages. Yeah. yeah. So. So where do we want this at? On our list that is ever growing, we have Power Pack Volume One, Number Twenty Five, Power Trip. That's at the top. And somewhere in the middle, let's say about 28, we have Crackdown, Power Pack number 31. And at the very, very bottom, we have X-Factor Annual number 2, Man in the Moon. So, how do we feel about this? I would say let's look at the other Terry Austin okay. uh, input into the Power Pack mythos. That is number 38, The Great Gugam Treasure Hunt. Correct. And this is better. Yes, it's kind of interesting, though, because right above that, we have Secrets and Man and Dragon Man. Um, and then I know that Monsters is up there a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And those are the three issues with Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger in the same church. Yeah, in the yeah. same church. Yeah. Kind of in that area, how do we feel that this story runs? I don't think it's a real high point. No, no. Well, let's see. Do we like it better than the Dragon Man stuff? Dragon Man stuff was more power pack focused. Right. But, but yes and no. Um, it's very similar. Yeah, very it, it similar really stuff. is. It uh, revolves around there. Uh huh. We could slap it in between uh, Man and Dragon Man and Secrets. Put a new new thirty seven. Yeah, I'm. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm fine. It, with that. I, I, it's very much just kind of like where what placeholder do we want to put this in? Because it it's I'm, it's I'm, a fine story, but it's not amazing. Yeah, I'm also kind of looking at uh, how we think about where they not the Avengers, and do we think that the Avengers one is better than that? Hmm. Yeah, I think it. I think it kind of is. There wasn't much that happened in that one, but eh, they met the Avengers. Yeah, they met the <laughs> Avengers. We got to find out uh, how Tell three different people that work at the Avengers uh, go to sleep and what they wear. Tell you what, let's let's actually put this up as the new number thirty-six. Let's put it above okay. Man and Dragon Man. Yeah, I'm all for that. Okay. So let's right underneath the, the Breakfast Club with the Avengers. Yeah. Yep. I'm good with that. All right. Let's do our final thoughts on this beer then. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just been kind of sipping at this thing. Yeah, uh, it's. I've been knocking mine down a little bit. I haven't refilled my glass. It's. Uh, it is a fine IPA. Mm-hmm. 
it tastes like an IPA that is fine. And it's it still tastes the same as when we first started drinking. Yeah, it hasn't changed its flavor profile. No. Some beers will do that. It's like, oh, it's cold. It tastes like this. It's warm. It tastes like that. Yeah. Same taste. Yeah. It is an IPA. It is fine. Three is a fine number. I'm going to see your three. I'll I'm, say three. I'm happy with the three as well. Yeah, let's just say three. Three it is for Son of a Gunship in honor of the Punisher. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to the kid's perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his daughter, Carrie. And Carrie gives us her views on the issues, or in this case, issues. So, uh, Carrie, tell us your thoughts. What's up with that? Hi, Carrie. Hi, Daddy. How are you doing today? Good. And you? I am doing well because I'm here with you talking about comic books. Of course I'm well. I love doing this. Me too. I'm glad we're still doing it. Yes, we are. So we're talking about not one, not two, but three comic books, right? Yeah. (laughs) I gave you a lot to read, didn't I? Yeah. It really wasn't that much. It was just about three books, but it's one story that takes place over those three books, and it's just easier for us to put them all together. You had some questions, though, right? Yes. (laughs) There was a lot to cover in those, wasn't there? Yeah. There's a lot of other storylines, a lot of things about Cloak and Dagger. Probably was a little confusing, right? Yeah, there was also that Bridget thing that you told me not to read. You didn't need to worry about that. Back in the day, when I read these, I would jump in, and if I really was interested, I would have bought all of the back issues, and I would have read the entire story. But I didn't, not with these ones. I just bought them for the Power Pack ones. Okay. So what what happened with Power Pack? What... They ran into somebody, or they, they saw somebody who they heard was going after Cloak and Dagger, right? Yeah. Who was that? The Punisher. What did you think of the Punisher? He was okay. <laughs> was he good or bad? Well, that is an interesting question. What do you think? Do you think he's good or bad? Well, at first it seemed like he was bad, but then he acted really good. Well, his entire thing is that he goes around and he is a vigilante, which means that he goes after criminals, but he doesn't follow the law to do so. Actually, most superheroes are known as vigilantes. He doesn't have any superpowers, but he is really good using weapons. Lots of different kinds of guns and other things like that. Okay. What do you think about how he... uh, interacted with Dagger and uh, the priest at the beginning. No, not not a very nice scene. No, it wasn't. It's not a really good way to say hello, is it? Did he think that Cloak and Dagger were bad guys? Well, he said he didn't, but he really approached them like bad guys, didn't he? Mm-hmm. The Punisher is an interesting character. Some people really like him. Some people don't like him. And some people are, like, in the middle. Yeah, a few people are in the middle, but mostly people have pretty strong feelings about him one way or the other. He, he is a very interesting character, and he used to be very, very popular in the 80s and 90s. And we'll see him again. We will run into him again in Power Pack, too. Okay. What did you think about uh, Katie's war journal? It was fun to see, but then it looked like the ink was kind of smudging, so I could barely read it. <laughs> it was very much like a little kid writing, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you've got pretty good handwriting. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was at the very end, Julie was doing something with Cloak, right? She was giving Cloak, like, some reading lessons, I think. Yeah, because Cloak uh, doesn't know how to read. No. And what were they reading? Where the Wild Things Are. Do you remember that book? Yeah. I read that book to you a lot, didn't I? Yeah. 
You like that book? Yeah. It's a pretty good one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which of the three covers do you like the best? I guess I like this one and that one because they both show um, Power Pack. So you like 13 and 14, I think it is, because they both have Power Pack in it, right? Yeah, they both have the Power Pack covers. Now, the, the 13 one, the one in the middle, mm-hmm. was drawn by June Brigman. That might be another reason why you like that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> you had a question about uh, something else in the last book, the birthday party they were at? Oh, yeah. What was your question? When did they get the hamster? What? You haven't seen the hamster either? Jeff hasn't either. You both say you're big Power Pack fans, but you've never seen the hamster. Oh, my gosh. Well, I haven't read that yet. You're... No, no, there, 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 there hasn't been a hamster before. <laughs> there has not been a hamster before, so that just randomly appeared? Yeah, it just randomly appeared. <laughs> Things happen. <laughs> anyway, is there anything else you want to say or talk about? Why did the hamster have a birthday party? Well, you have a birthday party. Why can't the hamster have a birthday party? Isn't that what they said in the book? I want a real answer. Haven't you given a birthday party for the cats? No. Well, the cats want to talk to you about that. They want a birthday party. Since when did you hear that? Cats tell me all the time. You hear our youngest cat yelling at me all the time, right? She's yelling at you so that you can pet us. Anyway, we got off track. (laughs) They had a birthday party because Jim Power wanted to have cake and ice cream. (laughs) That's it? That's it. What else do you want? I think that's it. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. You're welcome. I love you. Love you too. Shout out, Tom. We would like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in and leave us a review. This is specifically about episode 46, where we talked about Power Pack number 35. Al Sedano and Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. The Art Classroom. CH0. Charles Gears. Charlie Rose. Comics in the Golden Age. David Adler. Fan Film Fridays. How is it down in that basement there, Clinton? (laughs) Hey, I get that reference. Gary Key. Green Lantern HG. Hoover Jeremiah. Jason WW3. Jeffrey Brown. Jeff Pollier. Jeremy Daw. And he says that this is one of his favorite issues and that he studied and tried to copy the pictures in this issue as a kid. Julie Powerfan. Kev Fun Newburn. Jonathan Schaefer Hames and the Married with Comics podcast. Lady M's Dressmaker. Limax 7. They put the X back in X factoring. Excuse me now, I need to find X because it got lost again. Stupid algebra. The Long Box Crusade with Delvin the Dark Web Williams and Pat DJ Cristatos Sampson. Mark's Miss Podcasts. Matthew Fenner. Max Traver. Mike G, a.k.a. The Fifth Ruddle. Mr. Rogers Corps. NZ Waffles, a.k.a. NZ Woofles, who suggested X-Pack Power Factor. Hmm, it almost works. Dr. Osvaldo Oila. Rustin LF. That blind guy. Tim Price, Podcrasher X. Trodenier. Colin Stapleton and the worst comic podcast ever. Be sure to check out the other shows that we're on. Specifically, the Junior Agent submissions on the MI6 Rookie Agent episodes of Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast. They've almost graduated, folks. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded below a live audience of a couple of girls that are running around my living room like crazy in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present, dot wordpress.com. Also, 
Our YouTube channel is Jeff and Rick Present. And if you'd like to help us support our show, we're on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is All This. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. <coughs> well, those snorts are coming in quite nicely. Well, I have a man of singular talents. I am a man of singular talents. Snow in my nose and clear my throat. Beware the eyes of March. Can you guess who they are? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I can guess. I can guess. I can give you a hint. There are four members of the Eight is Enough gang. They're the Partridge family. Yeah, because they're going to make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Insert Julie. Hey, mister. Hey there, mister. Put them up. Put them up. (laughs) I just lost my tongue. I'm like, (laughs) just fun that I had a little stroke there. (laughs) I'm fine now. It's toast. (laughs) My arm tickling. That's oh, a mm-hmm. heart attack. Well, it's, it's not a stroke. Kazow. And we need to do one thing. We need to close this hole. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now jumping all over. <laughs> the deep blue sea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah, I got to defeat his password. Uh-uh-uh. uh-huh. Didn't say the magic word. Uh-uh-huh. uh-huh. Please. <laughs> what other uh-huh. Sam Jackson movies do we know? <laughs> Uh, this is particular. This is We are also a. Like they killed somebody and they're dragging the body away with a ch- on a chair. That would sound less noisy. Yep. Yeah. Costumes off. I should say that too. <laughs>